Well, Suns fans, it is official. The Suns, following their victory against the Washington Wizards on Friday, are now undefeated all time in the month of July. What are your thoughts on that, Matthew? I mean, that's a milestone, right? That's Boom, just something. Yeah, I could never predict that the Suns would be undefeated in the month of July. Now it's August. Let's see if we can continue the undefeated streak. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I mean, I think they've never won a game in August either, so hopefully they can <laughs> pull that off. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Jam Session podcast. He's Matthew. I'm John. We appreciate you hanging out with us to listen to this here podcast following a big Suns win on Friday against the Washington Wizards. This is going to be our Wizards review and our Mavericks preview, which will actually feature Kirk Henderson, who is the managing editor of the Mavs Moneyball SB Nation site. So that's going to happen a little bit later in the podcast. So looking forward to hearing from Kirk and his thoughts on the Mavericks and uh, his thoughts on the Suns from the outside looking in. Remember, you can follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lucy. And you can follow the show, sunsjamsession.com. And you can email the show, sunsjamsession at gmail.com. Plenty to talk about today, Matthew, mm-hmm. especially with the Wizards uh, going down against the Suns yesterday. But I guess the first question I got to ask for you is, how you doing, man? You know, I'm really, I'm really, I'm glad you asked that. I'm doing really great, man. There's a lot of bad food, a lot of beer, things I promised myself when the Suns started playing basketball again. So everything is fantastic. My stomach hates me today. Yeah, I can't stop pooping. I'm sorry. I said it. I can't. Well, we did what we said we were going to do. We got together. We got some beers. We got some wing stop. Yeah. And ate the crud out of that. Drank some beers, uh, some Sierra Nevadas. And yeah, ever since then, my stomach's been upset. Like all last night, all this morning. I just don't think I was ready to shock the system with beer and wings because we just haven't done that in so long. It's been forever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our bodies are not used to it. Um, but today it continues no suns, but some pizza and beer again today. Okay. Nice. Cause you're watching uh, the OKC game with some friends today, correct? Yes. Nice. I found some friends. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, make sure you guys social distance and wear a mask while you're watching those games. Okay, Yes, sir. All right. So I think that I will continue the tradition that I started yesterday by popping beers open. So let's pop one open and talk Suns Wizards and Suns Mavs. The Suns came out yesterday and did what we hoped they would do, Matthew. They came out and they played the Wizards and beat them 125 to 112 in their first game in the bubble. What are your initial yes, thoughts sir. on that? Well, initial I was I was pleased in the end, but the beginning was tough. They came out and honestly looked like they weren't interested and it was quite a fight with myself and between the team of who I wanted to trade already, I was already throwing <laughs> trades out there because I'm like, all right, this is the same Suns. I'm not seeing anything different. Picked up in the second half, so overall, I'm not going to want to trade anybody. But it started out slow, but then the Suns took care of business, and it seemed like in the end they were kind of like, ah, eh, let's get this over with. So it kind of went maybe, I guess, how I expected it to go, but I always just want the Suns just to blow them out in the beginning. But both teams are just – they're back at it. It's been a while since they played, so – I guess I didn't I didn't expect it to be such a slow start, but it was, but we got the win. So Well, it's interesting because the slow start 
began with a 38-point offensive onslaught by the Suns in the first quarter. They came out, they looked like they were playing efficiently, but they gave up 31 points as well. And I think that's why, even though we scored 38 in the first, it didn't feel like 38 because you felt like yeah. you should have been up 15. This is a team that essentially is fielded by, as Kevin Broom said on our last podcast, a bunch of G League players. And you just felt like, especially following the scrimmage performances that the Suns put out there, that they were going to come out aggressive, not tentative, ready to pass the ball, ready to score the ball. And it just really didn't feel like that was occurring in that first half, to your point. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't tell you how frustrated I was, and I know I was voicing my displeasure consistently during the game with you, was how tentative DeAndre Ayton was playing. You yeah. know, he's, yeah. He said after the game that he likes to get the ball in the flow of the game. He's not looking to take shots. It was clear in that first half he wasn't looking to take shit. Every time he got the ball, he would instantly look around for who to pass it. He'd be wide open at the top of the key, and he'd look for somebody to pass the ball. There was no aggression whatsoever. Why do you think DA plays this way? Why do you feel like he is a more in the flow game versus somebody who wants to automatically be aggressive, especially considering that's what he's been preaching for the past month and a half of how he's changed his aggression. The only thing I could think of from looking at his body language from, you know, him being on the court, I just, I think it has a lot to do with him just not being too sure what he wants to do with the ball. So he can say he wants to get into the flow of the game, which is probably correct, and we have mm -hmm. to accept that. We have to wait for DeAndre Aiden for the second half because that's the way a lot of his games have been this year. Uh, so I'm not mad at that. As long as he can finish the game and like help us win the game, that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, but, yeah, the aggressive talk had me thinking, like, he's going to come out, you know, dunk on people. But we just have to accept, I think that this is just the way he is. And it might be an unselfish thing to where he wants to get teammates involved early, which is great. I think that's great. I really do. And then he can be the cleanup guy where he can just take care of what he needs to take care of the second half to get the win. So either way, I mean, they got the win, but still, I mean, we're always going to want the aggressive DeAndre Ayton. I just don't think it's going to happen uh, probably in the next couple of years. Well, we know his talent, and we know the ability that he has. And again, I think that's why it's frustrating. What did, uh, what did James Jones say about him earlier in the year? So James Jones, it was Bickley and Murata, one of those shows. He just said, could we just accept DA for like who he is? Like We just have to realize this is who he is. And he said that. It was like right at the beginning of the year. And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe, maybe he'll be different. But this is who he is. And he's going to put up the stats, and he's going to do little things here and there to help the team. And he has a three ball going, so... I mean, we can't really ask for too much more. Of course, we want him to dunk on people. And when he had the Ish Smith, uh, Ish Smith mismatch down low, he just yeah. passed it out. Stuff like that. Like, he just needs the confidence to be like, just put the ball over him. Just dump it right over his head. But he doesn't. And I think you hit the key word there, and that's confidence. And that's why DeAndre Ayton says that, hey, I'm a flow of the game kind of guy. It's because he probably starts the game not with the proper level amount of confidence that he should have in himself, or at least that we think that he should have in himself. He comes out, he's tentative, he, he, he wants to kind of figure out what the matchups are, and until he feels comfortable and confident, you're not going to see that out of DA. It's just frustrating as a fan. I mean, you look at his first half, six points, on three or four shootings, so he's efficient, as he always is, 10 rebounds in that first half. Yeah. So, and then 0 for 1 for downtown. So, I mean, you, you, you can't be frustrated with the effort or the, or the statistics. I think it's the manner in which the statistics occur that I just – I get frustrated because I expect so much from him. You know, you come out – I was watching the, the Mavericks and the Rockets game later – you know, it's like Luca comes out and is like just instantly facilitating the office and grant offense. And granted, you know, he's a point guard. That's his role. 
DA is more of a, uh, a passing big and that's his role. I just wish he passed a little bit less. And, and like you said, when he has Ish Smith seven feet from the basket and he opts to pass out instead of trying at least one back mm-hmm. down move, that's where the frustration sets in. But you look at the overall game for DA and, 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 the second half, he comes out, he scores 18 points on 8 of 10 shooting. He only has two rebounds, but he ends the whole game with 24 and 12, 11 for 14 with two threes from downtown. I mean, he's mm-hmm. – at, you look at the score at, – at the stat sheet, and you're like, oh, he had a great game. If I was yeah. watching that game, if you were to ask me, like, how did DA play? I would say tentative and scared. Not until about the third or fourth quarter. That's when he started to kind of step up and just have more confidence. And he started, when he received the ball, he'd start taking the jumper. I remember, I think it was the third quarter when he came out and he hit probably about a 17-foot jumper. I'm like, there it is. He didn't look to pass. He instantly just shot it up and made it. I'm like, that's yeah. what we need from DA. No, that's exactly what we need. And he, he showed it. So I don't know if there's something that Monte is telling him. Like, he just needs to hear over and over just to push his confidence uh, over the edge to where he can, you know, shoot the ball at will and – because he has such a great shot, and I want to see more of it. And the real frustrating, frustrating thing, too, with this game was just watching him go head-to-head with Thomas Bryant, and mm-hmm. Thomas Bryant looking like the number one pick. And that's what you see a lot when he goes up against centers. You know, sometimes they, they, they're not the greatest centers in the world, but they look like it against the Suns. So, I mean, it kind of evened off in the end. Um, I just – I don't know. I think that um, what DeAndre Eaton has to do is really just get his shots up early, and especially the threes. Like, if he's – how open does he have to be to be shooting the three now? Because the one in the corner at the end of the game, he's pretty wide open. A guy closing out. The first one he made, top of the key, that was where he was super wide open. So, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of players, when a player's closing out on them, they'll shoot it. But I think, like, DeAndre's hesitant on that. But I think he needs to throw those up in that situation. I agree. And, again, all it's going to do is create mismatches later in the game, even if he misses that shot. It's yeah. going to create a later mismatch because guess what? That big has to close on him now. And hit, and DeAndre being such a great passing big, if he throws a pump fake up there, instead of grabbing the ball and instantly looking where to throw it from a passing standpoint, if he just throws a pump fake up there, that, that defender is going to you know close in on him. And now he can make that efficient pass that's going to yeah. lead to uh, positive things for the Suns. Uh, but enough about DeAndre Ayton. He did have a great game. I guess that's yeah. just the Suns fan in me. I just I want him to do better because if he does have that aggressiveness, he becomes a 40 points in this game. And we're talking about him becoming the you know the alpha of this team. He just doesn't have the confidence uh, there to do it as of yet. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about was Monty's rotations. I think that the Suns and Monty Williams did a really good job, especially considering you have no Aaron Baines and no Kelly Oubre in putting out rotations that were beneficial for the Suns and effective. What were your thoughts on how Monty managed the game from a rotation standpoint? Well, automatically it helped with Sarge coming out and just kicking ass. So this is a thing where they were talking about on the broadcast where he might have been upset because he was benched and Cam Johnson started. So having him come off the bench in the first rotation of players, that helps the Suns so much more. Because usually like when the Suns, bench is empty it's like ah, who are we going to have to actually hustle make the good plays that's Sarich. Sarich will take care of that and he'll get the offensive going too because he's been more of a passing big lately where he can take the ball to the hoop and dish it out he's been doing that a lot more um but even having like no Ty Jerome is great right off the bat that is, that's perfect yeah. <laughs> and then also having uh Cameron Payne come in with Javon Carter I know you like that and having mm-hmm. Booker play the three that was huge the whole rotation was the best I've seen all year especially being short-handed with no Aaron Baines and then no Kelly Oubre, of course. Uh, They did the best job. I think Monte did the best job with that rotation that I've seen all year long. I think against the Wizards, you can get away with that. You know, the Suns played nine players. The Wizards played a total of 11. 
And the the lineup that you're referencing that I like so much, which was Campaign, uh, Javon Carter, and Devin Booker, were all on the court together in about the mid-second quarter. And you had Devin Booker playing the small forward at that point. And seeing as the uh, the Washington Wizards are a little bit smaller, you know, especially when they have like the Ish Smiths of the world out there, they have the ability to to create a mismatch, the Suns do, by playing a little bit of that small ball. So what that had allowed, that allowed Campaign and Javon Carter to really focus on their defensive intensity. They were creating turnovers on inbounding passes and uh, just being pesky as, as Javon Carter typically is. And we're seeing Campaign is doing that as well. And that allowed Devin Booker to be the scorer for that offensive set. I feel like in the past what's occurred is you know, Booker will go out and then Rubio will go out. And then when once Rubio's out, then Booker's back in and he's playing more of the point book. And unfortunately, either he's carrying the offensive load or he's turning the ball over. Well, now he didn't have to do that. He could play the small forward and try to create mismatches in that area. And I felt like that really worked. And I got to commend Monty on the way that he kind of approached this. Uh, Frank Kaminsky didn't get a bunch of playing time, but he really put a lot of faith in uh, Cameron Payne and Javon Carter. And it paid off for him. I mean, Javon Carter came into the game with about six minutes left and played the rest of the fourth quarter with the team. You look at campaign and his initial game officially with the Suns, and he mm-hmm. goes four, four for seven from the field, uh, nine points, one for three from downtown, and, or I'm sorry, one for two from downtown, and just was effective, you know, three rebounds, two assists, nothing crazy but productive. And that's the key. It's not, he's not throwing up a one for seven like Ty Jerome would. He's throwing up four for seven, and he's getting a couple rebounds. He's getting a couple assists, and he's forcing those turnovers. Yeah, let's see if that can continue too. And with, mm-hmm. the, with the great pace the Suns are playing at coming out of the, uh, the scrimmage, especially Mikel Bridges is kind of hidden a little bit. He, he was kind of in between of what he played in the regular season like before this pandemic and scrimmage that's what we kind of saw there was little like flashes of him in the scrimmage uh in this game and i thought like we need to see more of that so i mean with all these players playing so great you kind of see devin booker he's kind of hidden now to where we have a a better team i'm not gonna say great team but like a better team to where booker isn't like the main guy you're watching on the floor. Like we were talking about, we're watching DeAndre Ayton on the floor all the time. We're watching Mikael Bridges. Now Booker, I feel like, is kind of hidden in a way. He's still getting his stats, and he still doesn't have to do too much. I mean, now he doesn't have to do too much. But don't you think, like, he's kind of being hidden in the offense a little bit? It's like, oh, Booker hit a three. Like, oh, hell yeah. Like, I don't know. It's kind of weird to watch him now with his team. Well, the more offensive options you have, the better Booker is going to be because he doesn't have to carry the load and defenses can't key in on him. You know, Booker didn't have a great game shooting and efficiency wise. You know, he did get his 27 points and, but it was on 21 shots. You know, he went eight for 21 from the field, two for seven from deep. It was nine for nine from the free throw line and him forcing the issue that really kind of got him over the hump and into that upper 20s, the upper 20s of scoring, you know, but to your point, you know, Mikhail Bridges, I just feel like he wasn't as aggressive as we were hoping that he would be. He really found an aggressive game during the scrimmages and we were hoping that carry over into this game, especially considering you're playing the Wizards. But I think that with Booker on the court, you know, he demands the majority of attention with the ball. I mean, he had a 35.8% usage rate in this game. Mm -hmm. If you bring that down a little bit and, and, you know, throw about four percentage points towards Mikael Bridges, it's going to increase his offensive output, but it's also going to allow Booker to probably be more efficient because defenses don't have to key in on him. No, you're totally right. So with Mikael Bridges, though, I think that he was kind of hidden too. I know I was talking about with Booker. But he just was completely gone almost to where he was non-existent kind of like the regular season. But then you got Cam Johnson in there. 
who he looked pretty good on defense. I thought Cam did a pretty good job on defense. He's getting the shots up. They're not really falling for him yet. But between him and Saric, like, what do you hope? Do you hope Saric remains on the bench? Because I, I really do. And I hope Cam, I, even if Cam's not as productive, I like Cam with the first unit and then Saric just coming off the bench. I do too. And that was the first substitution of the game that Monty did was Cam came out and Saric came in about midway through that first quarter. And absolutely. In the past, that was vice versa. Cam was always yeah. coming in off the bench. And he just he doesn't have the ability to really kind of create his own shot or to uh you know get open enough to where somebody's gonna throw him the ball uh unless he has a good offensive uh core kind of around him which he can do with the first team then you have sarge i mean i mean kudos to sarge in this game man mm-hmm. sarge looked fucking amazing 16 points he went uh four for six from the field six for six from the free throw line six rebounds I mean, he was just point Sarich, man. He had an amazing game. He came in and he has the ability as a forward to facilitate that offense a little bit. Yeah. That's something that Cam can't do. Cam can get the ball and drive to the hoop. Cam can stand on the free three point line and wait for that ball to come to him. But what Cam can't do is run the ball up the court and make a good pass or make a, the correct decision. And that's something yeah. Sarich can do because he's been in the league for about four years. You know, he's a little bit yeah. more of a veteran presence. And I absolutely love Sarich coming in off the bench. That's the thing that we've talked about numerous times in the past. And I'll continue to harp on. If we can bring Sarich back next year and he, and he embraces the fact that he's the first guy off the bench, mm-hmm. this Suns team's depth really gets good. You have a Kelly Oubre, you have... Now, imagine Kelly Oubre in the lineup, and you have Cam Johnson and Dario Sarge coming off the bench at the same time. Like, that's, that becomes a deep team at the wing yeah, position. It does. And it really is something that continue a, a scoring onslaught and even a little bit of defensive output as well with Sarge in there just hustling his ass off. Yeah, if we can get those guys to fill their roles like they should, then we will be great next year. And we don't have to worry about any trade, maybe a little bit more depth for somebody but to have this team back next year and everybody accept their roles like this that's something to really look forward to especially what we saw from the scrimmage in this game hopefully it continues through the eight games but um i like the big guys bringing the ball up when you have Dario sarge where you didn't see it a lot this season where he can just bring the ball up and get the offensive going offense going that is huge i love that and that's the way the nba is now to where you have the bigger guys bring the ball up and starting the offense one last thing I want to talk about when, before we start talking about the Mavs a little bit is just the impact that I feel Javon Carter and Ricky Rubio as kind of that, that duo really had in this game. You know, Ricky Rubio, 15 points, nine assists. No one ever talks about it, man. You know, we did the article for yeah. uh, Bright Side of the Sun where Brandon Clean pretty much asked us, hey, who is <laughs> going to be your MVP for the Suns in the bubble? And I went with Ricky Rubio because I think that he just doesn't get enough love. And even after this game, you know, eight for eight from the free throw line, three for seven from the field, but just consistently setting his team up. And as this team goes, or I'm sorry, as, as Ricky Rubio goes, this team goes. You know, you look at it, the Suns overall had 42 made field goals. They had 29 assists. So they continued with, with that about 75% assist ratio, which leads the league, and it all comes down to Rubio. And then Carter, I feel like, again, coming in off the bench, at, spelling Booker at the two, has just been somebody who we have to appreciate. And I think that you'll hear a little bit later in our interview that we have with Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball, he's somebody that other teams appreciate, that kind of player. And you have to respect that. And I just I love Rubio and I love Carter, and I think that they both had – very good games that not a lot of people are talking about. 
No, you're right. And Ricky kind of looked a little bit rusty too, and he still put up the nine assists. Like he he has to get in the flow again, and he's basically the offense and getting the offense going. So for nine assists, that's pretty impressive from mm-hmm. a game I didn't even think he did that well. <laughs> And again, no one gives them credit. You know, nine assists. No, no one. Anybody gets nine assists in the league, or if you average nine assists, like you're good. And he does that consistently, and nobody ever talks about it. So no, kudos no. again. That's a Suns thing, though. Too. It is. Yeah. It is. What What were your thoughts on the uh, on the Washington Wizards? You know, it's a lot of guys that you don't really uh, know. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of guys who we probably won't continue to follow very much because they're in the Eastern Conference. But was there anyone who really kind of stood out to you? Um, you know what? Besides having Thomas Bryant really take it to Aiden, besides that, I, I really like Rui Hachimara. I know yeah, he only – yeah, he put up 21 points. This is pretty good. I don't know if it was a lot in garbage time or not, but I've always liked the guy. I think that the whole team has it as a team the whole team has a team that makes sense they they hustle they played definitely very hard to see this team together next year the same roster i doubt it i don't know how they're going to mix and match this team i think wall's coming back so it's just it's one of those filler teams right now to where the suns just had to take care of business so i'm not looking too much into this washington team as something to where they're, they're going to be together in the long run it seems like just a bunch of fillers so we'll see what they do in the off season but i don't were you pretty impressed by the way they put up a fight or what I was, you know, this is a team that essentially didn't really have a chance against the Suns. Uh, this is one of those things that we feared coming into this game that the Suns could potentially play down to the level of the competition. And yeah. they led the whole game. I mean, the Suns weren't disappointing in their effort in, in winning, you know, I mean, they, they did what they were supposed to do. I just felt like the fight that came from Washington was something that the Suns just weren't necessarily prepared for. You know, it's kind of like you said, they came out a little lackluster and just not as focused as you really hoped that they would be. Uh, I hope that changes, obviously, on on Sunday night when they play the Mavs. But Rui Hachimura is somebody who I really enjoyed just watching his game. You know, he's a big physical guy. He's got a great mid-range shot. Uh, Somebody who's not really going to shoot a lot of threes. But he's somebody who, you know, if he was R4, I would be satisfied with that. I don't know. I'd still like somebody who could probably, you know, hit a couple threes. You know, but that's kind of their game plan is have Rui Hachimura and then Davis Bertans comes off the bench and continues that scoring onslaught Mm -hmm. once he's off the – uh, sitting on the pine, but mm-hmm. he, he, it was it was nice to watch uh, a young player play a, when he's given that opportunity play well. Yeah, definitely, man. All right, so what do you think? Should we talk some Mavericks before we do our uh, kick it to our interview with Kirk Henderson? Let's do it. All right, Mavericks versus Suns. That's upcoming on Sunday at six o'clock Arizona time on Fox Sports Arizona. Uh, obviously, this is going to be the first real test for the Suns. Washington is Washington. You got you got to you got to respect that. This is going to be a tough game. I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Suns match up against Dallas, especially considering how big Dallas is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Did did you watch the Rockets and the Mavs game last yeah, night? Yeah, I did. What a game! Right, what a that game. game was insane. I loved it. Of course, I was going for the Rockets. So in the end, it turned out really great. Yeah, it turned, uh, especially yeah. Luca was almost crying. So that was pretty nice. Um, but <laughs> but uh, dude, what? I mean, if we face that Mavericks team, I mean, what were they on the threes, man? They couldn't miss. I know they had Trey Burke. He was like six to seven from three. I mean, the way they move the ball, they just they always find the correct man. That, a lot of that's Luka Doncic, of course. Uh, Porzingis, though, in a way, I feel like, I mean, in the interview, we talked about it more, but uh, he's kind of just, it depends how he does. How he's going to play in this game will really affect how the Suns, you know, play their game and really affect the final score, I think, on this one. Well, it's going to be a tough one, man. I mean, you look at the Mavs, and here's a fun stat for you. Ready? Mm -hmm. You know what offensive rating is, right? Yeah. 
All right, so the sure. uh, the the Dallas Mavericks have a one sixteen point eight offensive rating. So that means for every one hundred possessions, they'll score one hundred sixteen point eight points. That is the best offensive rating in NBA history. That's what they're going against. Now, granted, if you look at their offensive rating in the last five minutes of a game with and the teams are within five points of each other, so clutch time, that offensive rating falls to a ninety two point nine. So you put them in clutch time moments and Dallas struggles. And we saw that last night against uh, the Rockets. They're up seven points with 45 seconds to go. And they end up coughing up the lead. It goes to overtime. They ultimately lose 153 to 149 to James Harden and Russell Westbrook and the Rockets. So they're a team in the number seven seed in the Western Conference who can definitely light up a scoreboard. They have the third most points per game in the league right now. And they're second in the league in three-pointers per game. They shoot 41.6 threes a game, dude. Like, the Suns shoot 31.8. Like, it's, they shoot 10 more threes more than the Suns do. So they're going to bring it from that standpoint. The, the, the Suns' perimeter defense better be locked in. The thing that scares me more about Dallas is their size. You have Kristaps Porzingis, who's 7'3". You got Boban, who's 7'4". You got uh, Max Kleber, who's uh, or Maxi Kleber, who's six foot ten. They just got a lot of big guys, and we know that DeAndre Ayton can get flustered when he's going against those bigs. That was his issue with Thomas Bryant. I really feel that he started to open up his game a little bit more when he started shooting the jump shots and taking Thomas Bryant out of his comfort level, and then he could blow by him uh, and then get the passes underneath the basket. Was getting the easy dunks in the game against the Wizards. But you throw a couple big bodies up against DeAndre Ayton, and if, if it flusters him, that could really hurt the Suns. And I think that if it, yeah. it goes the other way, if he's offensively aggressive in these games against Boban, against Porzingis, who probably won't be guarding him because Porzingis typically plays the four, but if he's going up against these bigs and he's forcing the issue and getting them into foul trouble, that'll really help the Suns in this game. The thing is with Porzingis, too, even if he is guarding uh, Aiden, I think Aiden has a better... Uh, understanding what Porzingis is to where he doesn't have much movement. He's not as, as athletic. Um, so it's a, it's a good matchup for Aiden, I think, if he can take advantage of it. Um, the other guys you mentioned, too, they are a little bit more sneaky athletic, mm-hmm. and they're bigger, too, and they can shoot the three. But when you go back to the three, I mean, they shoot that many threes per game, but a lot of them, like a lot of the times, like last game, Don just goes one for nine. Yep. Uh, Seth Curry 0 for three. Porzingis 3 for eight. Those are just numbers where, like, if the Suns were shooting that way, it's like, stop shooting the three. But it's kind of like a Mike D'Antoni thing with that team where it's just, like, keep shooting it. Like, just keep shooting it until you make one and maybe you'll get in the groove. Just like Robert Covington, who plays center for the, the yeah. Rockets, went one for nine, too. But he was 0 for 8 the whole game until he finally hit one. He hit that big one at the end. Yeah, yeah, so that's the Dallas mentality. I mean, we're more of just efficient scoring mm-hmm. or to, like, get around the basket, find your spots. Hit the three if I mean shoot the three if you're wide open, but Dallas just looks to continue to shoot the three, especially with Doncic with that step back three, yeah. where he'll just throw those up in the crunch time. That maybe that's it. In the crunch time, he'll throw up those back those uh, step back threes, which I think really help, hurts Dallas. Well, I hope that we get them in that crunch time. That's kind of the key, as I mentioned before, that they don't perform very well in the clutch, and really neither do the Suns. Most notably, Devin Booker. <laughs> yeah not efficient at all when we got into that crunch time. But uh, the thing that also makes this team kind of lethal is Luca, man. It's his distribution ability because he's got, they got a plethora of role players. Okay. They got Tim Hardaway, Jr. Seth Curry, uh, Dorian Finney Smith, Trey Burke, as you mentioned, who's a a new addition to the team. 
Yeah. And it kind of reminds me how Steve Nash made like Raja Bell an offensive threat. You know, you have a bunch of guys who are decent players, but because you have a good distributor, hell, a great distributor in Luka Doncic, they get a lot of wide open shots. So I really feel like if the Suns can negate the size with Dallas and really just kind of force Luka into those tough situations where he's making bad passes and or closing correctly and not collapsing and staying on their guys so the guys, you know, the, the role players aren't hurting you, the, the Suns definitely have a chance to win this game. You know, the, they yeah. lost to uh, uh, the Mavs 120-113 to 113 in November, but that was before Aiton was back. And then they probably had their best game of the season when they went 133-104 to 104 in late January against them when the Bobra lineup kind of dominated the Mavericks. So I think, you know, Luka, we hate talking about him just because of the whole 2018 draft uh, and all that, but – you got to respect the guy, but to your point, he's not really an efficient scorer. It's his distribution that scares me more than his scoring ability. Yeah, because we talked about earlier with Devin Booker where he wasn't really efficient, but it looked like Kobe numbers where he goes like 9 for 21. And that's Luka every game. He's just throwing the ball up there. So I think that's something we have to get used to with Devin Booker to where he will exceed his shot limit maybe for what we would like him to shoot mm-hmm. to maybe get more efficient shooting, um, more efficient shots. And then also, you know, dish the ball, get those wide open shots from other players. But maybe we just have to accept that Booker kind of has like a Luka game to where he can just throw some threes up there. We saw that against Washington where he's shooting the three way back. And like he hit a couple, which was great. It's just something that we don't really want in here in Phoenix, I feel like. But it's accepted over there in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see, man. I, I'm really looking forward to Luka versus Mikel. Uh, oh, yeah. That's going to be great. I that's love gonna, that. That's going to be the matchup. So... We did our predictions for the last game. You predicted a 20-point victory by the Suns over the yeah. Wizards. I predicted a 15-point victory. I was only off by two points. Uh, what, what is your prediction for the Suns versus Mavs game? Oh, okay. So if I'm going with my original predictions, uh, I thought the Suns would start out this um, whole eight-seeded uh, schedule uh, 3-0. So I'm taking the Suns to win. I think we'll win by 10 points. I think we can wow. pull away in the end. So I think the Suns win by 10, 121 to 111. Okay. Okay. I like, uh, like your optimism and you know, I'm optimistic, John too. It's the bubble. And even though yeah. I initially had the Suns going three and five, I've even put it on bright side. I said six and two. I'm trying hard. I'm trying real hard here, Ringo to be as uh, <laughs> optimistic as possible. Cause everything's telling me that the Mavs are frustrated coming off that embarrassing overtime loss against Houston. Yeah. And they're going to take it out on the Suns. But that can kill them too. Everything's telling me that the Mavericks head coach, Rick Carlisle is going to have this team ready to stomp Phoenix. Everything's telling me that. But again, man, I'm optimistic, John. It's the bubble. I'm optimistic, John. So here's how I'm looking at it. The Suns are going to be playing their only game in primetime. They do have a game against the Clippers that's going to be on NBA TV, but this is the only one in primetime. This is 6 p.m. on a Sunday evening, okay? This is going to be Aiton versus Luka round five. Aiton is 3-1 and one in previous bouts. He is technically a better three-point shooter than Luka this season, <laughs> yeah. shooting 33.3% from beyond the arc and 66.7% in Orlando. Lucas shoots a measly 31.4%. So here's what my prediction is. Suns, 124. Mavs, 122. All right. There you go. Down to the wire. There you go. It's going to be one of those late games, and the Suns are going to pull it out. Aiton's going to make a three to win it. Yeah. You know what I want to see, though? I want to see it Booker versus Luka. I think that's how this has to be from now on. It's Booker versus Luka. Booker's, yes. This is Booker's team right now. He has to get us the wins in these crucial games against another all-star in Luka. So that's what I want to see, the back and forth, to see if uh, Booker can put up with it. It would be awesome to see him just really take advantage 
of uh, spacing in this game and really get his shot going. I want to see that more than anything. Absolutely. And efficient. That's the key for yeah, Booker. I really want to yeah. see efficient Booker because he, he can be efficient Booker and he just, he wasn't in this past game. And you know, the whole time him playing scrimmages, I feel like he just hasn't really necessarily been efficient Booker. So I hope that that kind of uh, writes itself against the Mavericks. All right. So next up, we are going to actually kick it to our interview that we had with Kirk Henderson, the managing director or the managing editor, I'm sorry, of the Mavs Moneyball SB Nation site. We actually recorded this uh, yesterday morning before the Suns and the Mavs played. So let's go ahead and play that. All right, we are joined by Kirk Henderson, the senior editor for Mavs Moneyball. How are you doing today, Kirk? I'm all right, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you ever so much for joining us. Uh, you know, I got to ask a random question before we get everything that's going on with the Mavericks and the Suns that are going to be playing on Sunday night at 6 p.m. Arizona time. Which of the Mavericks uniforms do you like the most? Because you guys have a pretty <laughs> impressive set of uniforms. Um, I mean, I think the only uniforms I've ever really liked are the ones that they wore before I was even a fan. In the 80s, they wore these green uniforms. Mm, yes. That yeah, white numbers nice. that look good. Everything else has been some variation of what like Mark Cuban thinks that that design ought to be. And so everything is bad. I mean, even the uniforms <laughs> they were wearing in the scrimmages, they look like summer league uniforms. They're heinous. So I hate all of them. What, what about the ones that are like, they look like graffiti on them in Mavs. Like those were new so, this year. Those are the only ones I think ugh. I don't like. They're awful. And there's going to be one of those things where kids think they're cool in like 2040. And we have to remind them that they were trash then and that they're trash, you know, at the same time, it's really, it's really frustrating because it, it, when they pitched those out, it was one of those great, like somebody in market in a marketing department got paid a ton of money to like explain the story. And it's like, shut up. They're <laughs> no one cares. Oh my God. I love Kirk. Yeah. yeah I'm totally aligned with you, man. This yeah. Is great. <laughs> yeah. They didn't look too great. Um, sons don't really have a lot to choose from either. Um, but going into the game before we play the Mavericks, what is like one thing that the Suns fans don't know about the Mavericks that you might want to let us know? I mean, we know about Luka Doncic, Porzingis, like the, the big two, but besides that, what is like one thing that you might want to let us know about the Mavericks? So I didn't know this until about last week, but when Tim Hardaway Jr. and Seth Curry share the floor together, the Mavs have a true shooting percentage as a team of 57%. So they just pour it in in limited minutes. Um, that's really the, the kind of the backbone of, of their offense where they, you know, if you, if you like dig into the data around them, like the obvious thing past Luca being good is that they don't have a lot of, there's nobody else that really stands out where you're looking, you're like, okay, some of these guys are shooting a little bit better than they have for their career, but does it really explain why their offense is like apparently historically, uh, good, yeah. But it, it's that's that's kind of the one that's stuck in my head is when those two shooters are on the floor together, the Mavs tend to light up the scoreboard. So you have, you know, the Suns who are going into the bubble and we're treating these next eight games as an opportunity to grow. The sure. odds of us making the playoffs are like 600 to one. How do you believe the Mavs are approaching these eight games? Um, their approach, they're basically, there's, I'm thinking of this, this, there's a scene in Jurassic Park, like the one from 1993, the real old one, where Ian Malcolm is running away with the flare to get the, to get the Tyrannosaur away. The Tyrannosaur is the Clippers and the Mavericks are everyone else other than Ian Malcolm because the Clippers are, are, they're built in a lab to beat the Lakers, which they should have last night. If you guys watched that game. Mm -hmm. The yep. Mavericks are essentially a B version of the Lakers where you have two very good players at the top and a bunch of 
lesser players around them. And when, you know, the, the Mavericks top to bottom are not as good as the Lakers. So the Clippers are just like, they, they break the, the Mavericks spirits. And I'm really worried about that two seven matchup. If that actually happens, because there's this kind of bubbling narrative around Luca of, well, can he do this in the playoffs, even though he's never been in the playoffs. Yeah. And so when you play, when you play a team like the Clippers and they, you know, have the potential to sort of like eat Luca's soul, that's not something I want to talk about for a year after that. So that's really a thing I'm worried about. So I assume you prefer the Nuggets. Eh, I mean, I could kind of do any of them. Yeah. I, I just it's all of them seem sort of interesting. You know, with the with the Jazz winning last night, that was actually pretty interesting to me because I watched that whole game was hoping the Pelicans would beat them because I the Jazz are so like the Mavs haven't beat the Jazz either. Uh, to be honest, if I'm remembering correctly. And I, I just like that matchup a little bit more. It's something, you know, Rudy Gobert also is, is incredible, but it's, it's just a different kind of frustration, I suppose, because um, the Mavericks are so offensively minded when they run up against these teams that are even remotely good at defense. Things can go from, like, excellent to ugly really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of any one of those. Uh, this, the, the Dallas that we're recording on Friday morning-ish, and yes. the Mavericks play mm-hmm. the uh, Rockets – um on friday night and that game will really set the tone because if, if they're able to hang with the rockets or even beat the rockets then i'm going to feel good about where they're going the the big game for us is playing against you i mean we play the wizards again we're recording this friday morning so we have yet to play the wizards but we're really going to have a test to see where we are as a team when we go up against you guys because you're the one that mattered like watching that game i hey how great was it to have basketball yesterday though i i watched five and a half hours of straight basketball God, that was good. Watch, like, I, I'm just to the point in my life where I will, like, be be aware of games. I will follow them on Twitter as I'm doing something else. But, I, you know, by midseason, I'm not watching other teams. And mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, yeah, this is great. I'm going to watch all this. And yes. it, was, it was nice. It really was yeah. nice. What did you think about the bubble experience? Did you think, like, the background, the fans that were on uh, Zoom or whatever they were doing, the did you think it looked okay? Like, I know there's I not a really, lot of like, sound. The, the game experience was really high quality. I could do a little less with the piped-in noise, mm-hmm. which I know they're oh. doing for a reason, but I would like to hear, like, it's Me really too. odd when you, you see the team standing up and, like, fist-pumping, but you can't hear anything because of the like you know it's computer generated audio that's going on in the background but i suppose that's the same thing as like a real nba game because there's so much like you know random ambient noise where they're you know everybody clap your hands like yeah. you can't do so so i i to answer your question they really did nail the like the classic nba game experience in, in a really interesting way did you guys catch um you know that terrible gif of that guy who's going lakers he was in the lakers he was one of the lakers yeah the fans yeah, yeah. I, outstanding (laughs) all right so the big thing we always talk about here in phoenix we'll we'll have any kind of conversation but always goes back to luka Doncic. so your initial reaction when the mavs actually traded up for luka what was it i mean that was like i had spent the better part of a year being like like drunkenly tweeting about games and begging for luka and so when the lottery happened i was just i was very sad I, i was very sad and so I remember leaving a uh, – I'd gone to the gym just to, like, burn off some, like, rage at the fact that they were going to take, you know, like, Mo Bamba or somebody at five. <laughs> and then I saw, like, the all the alerts, and it was just it – was, it was outstanding. I hadn't – I drank a lot that night. Um, it, was, it was pretty fun. 
So, uh. <laughs> so it was good. It was good. Good yes. reaction. Oh okay. yeah, of course it was. Yeah. I mean, I remember Matthew and I were actually together watching, and you know, we had the number one pick. That was the big debate in Phoenix: is it Luca? Is it Aiton? You know that they're going to go Aiton because he's a U of A guy. All of our season ticket holders are U of A people. Sarver's a U of A guy, so you know they're sure. going that route. So the one conversation we were having is like where we were having was like, well, I hope he ends up in Atlanta, so we don't have to see him three times a year and of course he yeah. goes to the Mavericks and you know right. I, I don't think I've seen Matthew more upset for a prolonged period of time than after that occurred I mean at least you're better at least you're in a better place than than Kings fans yes. oh, yeah Aiton has come I was I don't know anybody that wants to play like power forward when you're built like him like kind of freaks me out but he seems to have come such a long way defensively this year Mm-hmm. and that's really important long term so it's like uh, of the of the guys he's he's you know for of the guys that I wanted to have I mean frankly that draft is incredible that's one oh, thing yeah. you can't it really was, be, yeah. can't really be overstated and so it's it's you know it, there's I I think long term you guys will end up being happy with Aiden I think it's just figuring out how to make these pieces fit in a, in a right way I mean my my favorite player on y'all's roster is Mikael Bridges, who was oh. a guy that I was clamoring to take, like with the fifth pick. Like I wanted him. I was all really? over him as a player. Awesome. So that was the fact that he's succeeding so well while not being able to hit the broadside of a barn mm-hmm. is really it should it, like that should be really exciting. Oh gosh, I forgot y'all have Javon Carter. Now I'm mad. Yeah, <laughs> players that I like. Yeah, see, I like this because I I like every player that the Mavericks have, even going into the season before you guys drafted Doncic. I uh, I was a big Porzingis fan. I wanted the Suns to get him in a trade, mm-hmm. and they didn't. So basically, the Mavericks team. Him. Oh, really? So you're, are you worried he, about injury, uh, or what? What are you worried about with him? Little calm A, little calm B. So I, <laughs> I found we we have a post up today because he's been trying some fadeaways, and um, he has awful biomechanics. Like for a guy that's that big, he lands like he does like a baby deer in almost all circumstances where I'm okay. worried he's like going to hit the stanchion underneath the basket and like break himself. Oh. Um, but then there's also sort of how he wants to play. So if for guys seven foot three, he uh, this year on post-ups has averaged uh, 0.79 points per possession, which is good for the 21st percentile in the entire league. That is mm. very bad. Um, he's figured out a little bit more about where he is in the offense. It's been nice. that been Luca has been so much better than him. So there's none of that like BS alpha dog conversation. He's just seems to be like happy to be there. He says a lot of the right things. I just, I'm still a little concerned because he, it's still $150 million over five years for a player at a position that I don't know is it, you know, like mm-hmm. it just long-term I'm wondering what's there now. I shouldn't really say I shouldn't really be be too concerned because again the offense is so good and he's pretty I mean he is very good defensively I just I'm a little I don't know long term I'm gonna be interested to see how it comes out because I, I also still think he's just very prevalent injury based because he's very reckless and then you know the landing stuff that I meant oh yeah so between you know obviously we know Luca and we know Porzingis who's the one guy we should be watching when we play you guys that we just don't know that doesn't you know because like you know who Mikael Bridges is and that's somebody who if you were to ask me that question I'd be like oh you got to watch Mikael Bridges like he's the he's the future he's improved his shot he's already a defensive guy like who's that guy on the Mavericks that we just doesn't get enough credit so I'd probably have to go with Maxi Kleba um he's the second best player to come out of uh Dirk Nowitzki's hometown uh he's 27 years old he's a backup center he's he looks like the guy who on a pickup court 
guys would take like tenth, and then they'd stay, and then they'd stay on the floor running games for a while because he does does a lot of the little things. Like um, like Baines, he's he's like one of these guys that does. You know, he can hit the outside shot. He can defend the rim. He this year at one point in time against the Pelicans, he guarded um, both uh, uh, Zion, and then he switched on to uh, Gumby. God, what's his name? Um, the second overall pick got traded from the Lakers. Why am I losing my mind? Who's the Brand, other Brand, good Brandon player Ingram? on? Yes, like he yeah, guarded okay. both Ingram and Zion in the same game and guarded them very well. Like he's wow. just a very He's a very functional for uh, a forward and sort of like I would argue he's one of like the the top like 10 value contracts in the league because they got him on like like this weird restricted free agency based on his age and he's just going to be on the team for a while. I really really like him. He's he's shockingly athletic for how he looks because he does not like he 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 definitely looks like a like a duke power forward. So, okay. Yeah, we'll have to take a look then. <laughs> will uh, will JJ Barea ever retire? I'd hope so. (laughs) Guy's been around forever with you guys, and you know the circumstances have really forced him to play more as the year went along. And Mm -hmm. it was cute when they like use him in 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 in, like case of emergency situations. But as the year wore on, more and more guys got hurt, so he started getting more and more minutes. And he is just—I mean, he is my age, and I am old. (laughs) <laughs> and it's he just he's really an impressive competitor but he couldn't guard anybody 10 years ago so whenever he's out on the floor it's just a target fest so i'm i suspect he'll probably retire and do what you know kind of become like a player coach they have daryl armstrong on their on their um coaching staff and I, w- I would suspect kind of something like that because he does seem to have a really good like he's always been a kind of guy to be able to connect with younger players because he had a really kind of tough route to you know make it NBA as an undrafted guy Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on uh, the Phoenix Suns organization? I know in the past probably ten years it's been really rough for fun uh, for Suns fans, but as of now, do you think the organization has turned things around? Or, I mean, it's start, like I, it's very frustrating how much of that stuff seems to be dependent based on owner. And I, yeah. I really went through this to a lesser extent from 2012 to 2018, where Mark Cuban was involved in way too much. And the Mavericks suffered as a result. You know, he yeah. probably, he, he would get mad at me for saying that. I mean, it's that sort of stuff why he probably unfollowed me on Twitter a while ago. But, <laughs> you know, these these guys that are super successful in certain ways can't help but, like, butt their way into things. I mean, Ryan McDonough seemed to get saddled with a really unfortunate situation. I mean, the, the secondary problem that, that all of our teams exist in is just that the conference is preposterous. Yes. And you watch what's happening at the back end of the East where it's like a slap fight to figure out who's going to be the sixth seed. Yeah. And then exactly. to get to the sixth seed in the West, you have to be like 12 games over 500. It's like, come on. So I, I, I think it's less even about, you know, the suns and circumstance because you just have to have so many things come together in the right way at the right time. I mean, Devin Booker is an all-star talent. DeAndre Jordan is like David Robinson's second coming. Like there's good players on the team. It's just things that have gone wrong at the wrong time. I mean, sure. I'm sure the 25 game suspension to, to eight in this year really like took the wind out of everybody's sails. Oh yeah. I mean, heck, even, even Ubre, who, you know, I was, I live out here in Washington, DC. Like he was, he was unpl- like, he was bad as a wizard and he's been yeah. great this year for you guys. And, and it's one of those things where it's just like, is it ever going to come together in a way where we can make a real dent in in the in the conference and shoot i i was trying we've been talking on our site like where can the Mavs improve because you know they're going to get the crap kicked out of them at some point this year 
-hmm. And I look around and I'm saying, I don't know, because I don't know if they're going to make it out of the Southwest division next year with how many good teams that there are down there. Like, like, thank God the Spurs might be on the bottom for a while, but it's just, it's too brutal out there. It's it's not, it's really awful. I hate this conference stuff. I hope they get rid of it at some point. Yeah. I was going to say get rid of it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's been, it's been tough being in the West and, I'm glad somebody finally said it because everybody always kind of hates on the Suns because they haven't been progressing. It's it's a plethora of different things. It's been management. It's been draft picks that just were consistently lottery picks that just aren't firing, aren't firing. That's why that DeAndre Ayton slash Mikael Bridges draft is so big. That's kind of the turning point. But then what happens? Uh, LeBron comes to the West. Kawhi Leonard, you know, wins a championship <laughs> yeah. in Toronto, comes to the Clippers. It's like, oh, so everybody just kind of restocked the lake at the top of the division while or the conference while we're sitting here, you know, trying to develop and just getting our teeth kicked in to the point where they're going to have that talent eventually you know Booker's going to get to that point where he's like okay listen I'm an all-star talent consistently and we're not winning I'm going to go to one of the big fish so you hope that you know something happens like some of these guys go back go over to the east like growing up as a kid the east was always where the strong teams were when you had like the bulls I mean that's that's where all the bulls and the knicks I mean ah, it's it's the NBA is all backwards right now for us oh yeah you said you like Javon Carter why like, I mean, one thing I can say about all the Mavericks guards right now is that none of them can play any defense. And anybody that gets, you know, there's a couple of, of the draft Twitter guys that just, like, fell in love with him. And then I really liked the conference that he came from. So I just ended up watching enough of them to where I was – he never he never would have been on the Mavericks. But I just – I think it, a guy like that, if he can figure out a shooting a little more, mm-hmm. um, might have a real place. I, I just – I'm – I don't know. I just happen to really like him and, and just kind of hope, hope that it, hope that it works out at some point. Well, I love him. I mean, a guy who plays that tenacious defense, full court, mm-hmm. just a pest, you know, it's, it's something you don't see in the NBA anymore is somebody who's willing to go full court on somebody and, you know, trap them. You know, it's like you said, his, his three point shots kind of coming around a little bit, but if he uh, asserts himself a little bit more on offense, we might see him stick around with the Suns. So, right. All right, all right, so final question for you, Kirk. Sure. What is your prediction for the game on Sunday? Mavericks, if the Mavericks want to do anything, they better come out ready to play. But I just, a Sunday game, and it's, it is a night game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it were an afternoon game, I would, I would probably put it more in the 50-50. But oh, let's just say, say I'd say Mavs by six, and it'll probably be a lot closer um, than, you know, the Mavs might get up early, and then their lead will collapse because that's their go-to. The third quarter will look <laughs> terrible for Dallas. And then uh, Luca will do something cool in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> He'll do something cool. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take our money out, Matthew. Six point spread. All right. So we heard right. here first from Kirk. So uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us, my friend. Uh, best of Absolutely. luck to you guys in the in the bubble. Uh, if you want to tell everybody real quick where they can hear you and read you. Uh, MavsMoneyBall.com, where we've been putting out a lot more content than I would have thought, um, <laughs> given kind of you know just the the, the way the year's gone. And then I have a podcast. It's on the Mavs Moneyball feed, but uh, I've, it's the only good thing that's associated with me in terms of the name is Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> it's a good good name for an ad. Yeah. So yeah, but thanks for having me on, guys. And, and, and what about oh, yeah, Twitter? Where, where where can they follow you on Twitter? Oh, oh yeah, I have the dumbest Twitter name, but I just won't change it. Um, it's Kirk Serious Face. Um, the and, best and, part uh, about your Twitter is you have Falcor yeah. as your as as your. Uh, <laughs> Your picture, it's fantastic. It used to be the Mavs logo, but instead of a horse, it was the My Little Pony. 
but that made some mad people like really mad, even though I just thought it's funny. So I had, to, I had to change it to something else, and I just remember the really weird, you know, never any story. Like, there's a clear like line of demarcation where my like people who I interact with have no idea what it is. And I'm oh just, yeah, children. Oh no, so. the best part about that movie, I'll just say this before we leave, is every character in that movie has their name yelled at some point. It's like Falcor, Artex, come help me, Mark. So I mean, yeah, we're clearly children of the '80s. So. Absolutely. But again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, again, best of luck to you guys in the bubble. Thank you. Have a good day. Right. Thank you. Thank you again to Kirk Henderson for joining the Suns Jam session. That was a really fun interview, wasn't it, Matthew? Yeah, it was really good. You you think like these when you think of the Mavericks, you think of them like oh they're like the holy grail to these fans or like the writers because it's such a good team. But you see the insecurities, and I love to hear that from other teams. Yeah, it's, I think that's kind of the interesting thing that we're going to discover as we go through and we have these conversations with different members from SB Nation sites is they pick their teams apart just like we do the Suns. You know, we love the yeah. Suns, uh, you know, ride or die for the Suns, but I'm also going to be critiquing them along the way. You know, I think Booker should be more efficient. I think that Aiton should be more aggressive. You know, if you're an outside looking in, you're like, whoa, well, Booker had 27 points against the Wizards and Aiton went for 24 and 12. What are you bitching about? And it's like, it's yeah. the way it happened. And it's it's, it's kind of it, cool seeing that, right? No, it's definitely really cool. Um, hopefully we continue to get that with the future interviews we're going to have. Yeah, so the next one will actually be uh, with the Clippers because that's who they're going to be playing after the Mavericks. So we'll see how confident the Clippers are. <laughs> they're the number two seed. And uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but that's it for this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. We truly appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this, whether it be Google or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Go ahead and just hit the subscribe button so you can get all that quality Suns content that includes the Suns Jam Session and the Fanning the Flames podcast as well. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. You can follow it on Facebook. Uh, you can stop by sunsjamsession.com. Email the show, sunsjamsession at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voita. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lissy. And that's all I got for this one. I'm going to go crack open another beer and call it a day, my friend. All right, everyone, uh, go home and love your family. Amen. <laughs>